have your Bible, if you have your phone, if you have your iPad, if you don't have any of those, you want to look on the screen. We have all kind of ways to connect to the Word of the Lord. I feel good about what the Lord's going to do here today. In the unseen world with the Spirit, in every service, especially where there's an emphasis on faith, in the unseen world of the Spirit, there are things that are just in that atmosphere. And the way you reach out and connect to them is you just kind of pull them down with God. Here I am. I sense that you're moving right here. I want to invite that into my world. When you do that, God injects those kind of miracles in your life. And miracles will happen while I'm preaching. Great, extraordinary things will occur. And then there will be some things that will shift in your life while I'm preaching. You'll walk out of here. You left home today with one set of circumstances. And you'll go back home and begin to see a shift in the atmosphere. God does those kind of things. He'll do some tangible miracles here today that we can leave and say, this is what God did. God works in so many kind of ways, and, and I'm fortunate to be in this house with all of you. Thanks to Pastor Lane and Shelly Kuhn, who have been kind to us, uh, kind to me. I'm used to saying us. My wife typically travels with me. She's not able to be here today. I wish she was. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 11. Now, it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then, as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, He said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give God glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I'm going to talk to you for a few moments today. Now, I'm a firm believer that good preaching doesn't have to be long preaching. And so I won't be a long time here today, but hopefully we'll have a good time together in the presence of the Lord. But before I preach, I'd like us to pray together. Now, when we pray together right here, I'm not killing time. This is not just some sort of tradition. The best kind of preaching is when we're together. You push a little and I pull a little. I push a little and you pull a little. And we all work together. The Bible calls that unity. And every time you see unity in Scripture, miraculous things are always the result without question. So we're going to pray. And here's what we're going to pray. You don't have to pray it exactly like me, but here's here's what we're going to pray. God, would you let my mind be the same as your mind? And would you let me expect everything that you want to accomplish in the service? Let me expect it with my faith. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord with these great people. I thank you for the goodness of God, the peace of God, and the strength of God. 
I pray you do miracles here today. I pray that my mind is in harmony with your mind. Let us all be in unity together, and let me expect the great things that you want to accomplish. I expect them to happen here today. Let my mind see things the way your mind sees them, Lord, and I'll thank you for all the good things you do. In Jesus' name, we pray. Somebody say amen. Eggs and bacon. Peach cobbler and ice cream. Hot dogs, chili. Gumbo and rice. Tomato gravy and biscuits. Roast and potatoes. Dr. Pepper and crushed ice. Cookies and milk. These are things that are good all by themselves. But if you have them together, it's like the second dimension of goodness. I don't think I've ever heard anyone who had a divine, life-changing encounter with God that they complained about. I mean, how can you wrestle with a miracle or struggle with a healing? God moments are, are just that. They're so special that only Jesus Christ could make it happen. But, but what if I told you that there was more, a place beyond an initial miracle, a place beyond a certain experience, moments that surpass the euphoria of the initial outpouring, a, a deeper place in the supernatural. Today, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the second dimension of a miracle, the place just beyond the encounter that everybody talks about, the place where you live out the great things God does for you. Now, it happened. That brief little phrase appeared in our text today, and it appears rarely in Scripture. It seems to say little, but upon reflection, we see that it actually means a great deal. This infers that the original plan of God was to go in a different direction. To the casual observer, that may seem like to be a minor change of plans, but the bigger picture here is that the nature of God to work for people who need Him cannot be suppressed. God's nature is to make Himself available, to position His power in the best possible place for you to receive a miracle. I'll go a little further than that. God is attracted to the impossible. If you want God to look into your direction and almost rub his hands together with glee, you just need to present an impossibility to him. And God will always move toward the impossibility. I have a notion in mind that a doctrine can't be built upon, but I've lived this out. I have an idea that God's attracted to the underdog, to the person who finds himself in a place in life where it just shouldn't happen for you where it looks like it will not happen for you, where people almost count you out and say, no, it'll never work for them. I've just got an idea that the God we serve leans toward those situations and says, I'd like to prove the naysayers wrong. 
Somewhere, Satan, the adversary of your faith, may be counting you out today. He is sure that you may not receive your miracle this morning, but there is a God in this building today who has an idea that what Satan would like you not to have, he would like you to have. In every trial, near every adverse situation, In the middle of the darkest places of your life, God sets up camp to make sure that you come in contact with his anointing. The word of God emphatically declares that the anointing breaks the yoke, that his presence has a violent effect on the things that try to topple you. God's presence has a radical effect on the things that try to keep you away from the Lord. Your trial and your trials may not have been ordered by the Lord, but your steps into His presence and out of your circumstances have been carefully designed by the King of Kings. Simply put, the holy presence of God will not let you be alone. The ancient worshiper David wrote it like this, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I was raised in poverty, and I could tell you a long litany of stories or more than one time. Food wasn't in the house as much as we wanted it to be. Things weren't working right in our life as much as we wanted them to be. But we began to pray. We began to be faithful to God's word. We began to exalt the name of the Lord. And more than one time, miracles were happening that you could almost write books about. You could tell stories about for generations where God came through in supernatural ways. I'm here to tell you, you came here this morning. God's intention is that you don't leave this building without something extraordinary happening in your world. God has a position in his platform, and that position is this. I want you to be better today when you came, when you leave than when you first came in. In fact, he designed his presence to be so remarkable and so amazing that when you come in contact with him, you can never leave any other way than better and changed. Now, these lepers, our our scripture text said, stood afar off. It's true that there are times in life that you feel distanced from God. As a matter of fact, I think it's Satan's intention to affect the thoughts of your mind in a way that he keeps you away from your destiny. He would like this church to believe that your breakthrough is way off in the distance. Individually, nothing would please Lucifer more than you to perceive that your healing is possible, but it's not probable. The best strategy of the opponent of your faith is to make sure that your perspective about the supernatural remains relegated to a long-distance lens. He wants our vocabulary to remain centered around phrases like, one day it may happen. I'm sure it's coming. I'm going to hold on to hope that things may change for me. That's language that's not entirely negative. 
but it surely clearly is focused on a distance day in the future. That's not all bad. But please, don't let your vocabulary create distance between you and what God is capable of doing. If he can keep your hope deferred, the word says it won't be long until your heart becomes sick. Somewhere you have to train your mouth to triumph over your present circumstances. you got to train yourself to say some things like, he's a right now God. He's an on-time God. you got to be able to say things in your spirit like nothing can stop God. If God decides to do a miracle for me today, there's not an adversary in the world, there's not an opponent from hell that can prevent that from happening. But I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing that's always the cure for a skewed perspective. One thing that always prevails over negative verbiage, and that is unity. When we can all get together, when we all get on the same page, when we all march in lockstep, when we all join our faith together and say, hey, you may not be feeling strong today, but I am. I may not be feeling strong today, but you are. And we march toward God things together. There's something about that unity that changes the atmosphere. And when the lepers in our story decided to join forces, to tie their faith together, and to call upon Jesus with a specific expectancy, their future shifted. Here's what I predict. I predict that somebody's future in this building today, somebody's future is about to shift. Because it don't be long till we get together in the spirit world. We join our worship. We join our focus, and we join our mindsets together. There's no way that Jesus ignores that kind of environment. In fact, his word gives us a little indication. He said, where there's two or three that are gathered in my name, I will be in the midst. That's not an excuse for just a few people together. It is a promise that it only takes a couple people together in any environment, large or small, for God to begin to move in the atmosphere. He said, I'll be in the middle when God gets in the middle of brokenness, brokenness gets healed. When God gets in the in middle of lack, lack becomes abundant. When God gets in the middle of a dark future, the future becomes brighter. When God gets in the middle of your pain, your pain begins to disappear. When God gets in the middle of your hopelessness, hope suddenly shows up in the middle of it all. God can't get in the middle of anything. And I've just come to let you know, if you didn't know it, God is in the middle of this service today. As a matter of fact... As a matter of fact, God's doing miracles right now. There's some of you who came in here today with emotional pain. God is working on your emotional pain today, right now. There's some of you came in here today with a dim hope of your future. You're not even sure what you want to do or what your future looks like. But when you leave here, there'll be a little clarity on your Monday morning because the Lord is at work in your perspective. There's something about unity. Unity changes everything. I, I, uh, I, I was raised as a baby of nine, and uh, my mother, we were raised in a, in a single-wide mobile home. And I call it poverty. At least we were poor. We didn't have much in the way of money. We had a lot in the way of faith. My mother was a worshiper and a praying lady. She had talked to God. She talked to God loudly. She felt like that you had to talk to God loudly. 
And she did. I mean, when she started praying, it was a violent occasion. Matter of fact, if she was praying and, and you were in a different room, you might question what she was doing in there. She would say things loudly. She'd clap her hands violently. Every now and then, she'd seem like she was banging on the walls. I'm not sure what she was doing in there. But she was at an aggressive pursuit of God. I, I had friends who didn't believe uh, in the God we serve quite like we believed in the God we serve. I didn't know this. I, I didn't know this two years later. They, they would tell me as adults. My mother had a habit. That was uh, 9.55. Uh, we listened to news on the radio. And, and then the news went off at 10.10 after the weather forecast. And at 10.10, the lights went out in Georgia. Uh, we were in Mississippi. But the lights went out. And, and, and you, you went to bed, and she prayed. Now, it was impossible um, for you to sleep while she prayed. Because as I said, it was a violent occasion. I, I've heard uh, of my friends would tell me later on in life, they said, you know what, Glenn? You know, you could hear right through the thin walls of that mobile home. And they'd say, I, I'd go through tough times in my life. And things weren't working out. And, and, and I, was, I was depressed or, or lonely or broken. And they said, sometimes I would, I would sneak over by y'all's trailer because I knew at a certain time your mama was going to start praying. And she said, you know what? When, I would, when she would start praying, I would connect to that. And it, would ch it changed my life. It kept me going forward. The Bible says we're two or three. When you get together, sometimes it's obvious. Like this service, we know we're all on the same page. We know we're connected. But, but there may be somebody sitting in this parking lot this morning. We don't know. The words are drifting. They can only hear three or four at a time. But they came to get a hold of something from the spirit world and God's presence and God's shifting things. If we can just get together just a little bit. God begins to work. I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to uh, uh, drift out here just a minute, and, and, and I'm going to preach on, but I feel, feel a sensitive moment right here in the Spirit. I feel a sensitive moment. I, I feel like God wants to work. Here's what I want, want you to do. Uh, if you're sitting close to somebody, that obviously means you're, kinda, you're, you're cool with being close to them. But I want you to kind of reach over and either grab their hand or put your hand on their shoulder and, and, and just say, hey, I want, to, I want to connect my faith with yours. Just say that if you could. Just say it. You can say it out loud. It's all right. I want to connect my faith with yours. Now, if you don't say that or if you're not close to anybody, we're, we're going to connect together even though we can't touch. And I want to talk about somebody's future. There's some, somebody here today who you're, you're not barely struggling. You're tormented about your future. You're not sure how it's going to work out. You thought it might go one way, and it's radically shifted, but you don't know. You don't know where it's going. And you're, you're, you're bordering on the edge of desperate. But, but we're going to link together. We're going to get our faith together. We're going to pray right here. I'm going to preach on because the preach word's powerful, but, but I feel a, a break in the spirit right here where God wants us to take a little detour. We're going to pray. Are you ready? We're going to pray. We're going to look, link our faith. Because this is an important moment. We're going, to, we're going to pray. Here's what I want you to pray. God, whoever those people here who are almost desperate about their future, I speak direction and peace for them. Pray that in your own way while I lead you in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare by the power of your spirit and the might of your name, I speak to somebody whose mind today is literally tormented about their future. 
I command peace to come into their spirit. I command hope to flood in their life. Bring them clarity. Bring them clarity. Let them sense and see and feel and understand that you're speaking direction to their life. I speak fresh hope to them. I I speak a fresh spiritual hope that they cling to something in the spirit. Hallelujah. I speak fresh things in their world that they begin to walk in the ways of God and in places with God that they've never walked before. Let them traffic in supernatural things that are beyond anything that they've done before. I pray in the spirit of an almighty God that you break forth in their life right now and bring direction to them. Unity. We're pulling together. We're pulling together. I'm going to tell you about direction. I, I resigned the church. Some difficult times in my life, and for for a season, a short season, I was unemployed. I was desperate. I was panicked. I'd like to tell you that I never had a suicidal thought, but that wouldn't be right. Uh, more than one time, I passed by a stand-up gun safe in our home, and I thought, you know, the better thing for me to do would eliminate my life. It'd be better for everybody involved. I never went beyond thinking that thought, but I did think it. I was unemployed for a little while, desperate about how to pay our bills, and worried about the future of my family. And a friend called me about a job. He called me about this job, and uh, it was a bottom-of-the-barrel, entry-level job. It couldn't even really pay my bills, but I needed one. So I went to work at this job. It, it was a... It was a I'll tell you how low of a position was. When I showed up, they didn't even know I was coming. That's how you know it's bad. What are you doing here? I said, well, I got hired. Well, what are you supposed to do? I said, well, I don't know. I just got hired. They said, well, we got a spare office back there in the corner. Go sit in it. They didn't even have a computer on the desk. Half inch thick of, uh, of, of dust everywhere nearly, it seemed. It wasn't probably that thick, but it felt like it was. So I just began to clean my office. I didn't know what else to do. I'd been there about an hour. I walked out in the, in the hallway to, to go get some cleaning supplies. And I heard a man say to me, Pastor. I looked around. There was a big burly guy. I didn't recognize him. I'd never seen him before. He come jogging down the hall. And he wrapped me up in a bear hug. He was huge. And he pulled me off of my feet. And he screamed out loud to nobody in particular. This is my pastor. Y'all take good care of him now. From that moment forward, things shifted. I was in that position for about three months. People started coming to my office. I almost couldn't get work done. People would pile into my office, and they'd say, I don't know why I'm here, but I need to talk to you about something I'm going through. Could you, could you talk to me a few minutes? They didn't know my background. I didn't know what, what I was doing in my office. One time my boss came in here and he said, Glenn, is this a counseling clinic or an office? He said, I don't know. People are in here constantly. Three months I was on that job, four months, five months. At the sixth month, he called me in. 
He said, there's a position I want you to take. People who've been with our company for 30 years don't get the opportunity that I had. I said, I'm not qualified. I don't know what to do in that position. He said, oh, no, you're qualified. I think you can do it. Do you want the job or not? I got a job. I went from unemployed to six-month a job where people that work 30 years for our company don't get the opportunity I'm presently involved in. There's a God who can shift some things in the spirit. Now, I'll tell you the back story to that. I'll tell you the back story to that. Somewhere about three months in there, I got a text from a friend, and the friend just simply said this, Glenn, I feel a shift. It seemed so vague in the middle of my dark trial, but I, hang, I hung on to that text like a hungry kid hung, hangs on to a chicken leg. I was hanging on with all my heart because I needed something from the Lord. What I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost this morning, I'm not just talking. I'm preaching what I feel like God's saying. And that is, in this unified atmosphere, somebody's world is about to shift. Unity. Raised voices in supplication. Expectancy. That's a formula for divine intervention. Unity. Raised voices in prayer and expectancy. Those three, three things together, God will never ignore it. Always, always things happen. You feel that faith kind of rising in here? You feel that little flow of the Spirit of God? It's unity. It's supplication. I hear some people every now and then talking to God while this service is going on. We're expecting God to do things. God will not ignore us. Not long ago, I was sitting in our, our, in our home. Uh, it was my wife, my daughter, and, and my daughter's boyfriend. And uh, I wasn't excited about him being there, but that was just part of life, you know. And uh, <laughs> he's a good kid. And uh, but we were all there, and, and the lights went out. Okay. I'm talking about the lights went out. Boom. All the electricity stopped, uh, went out in our house. So we're sitting in the dark, and, uh, and so... so uh, my wife said, well, let's just see who has faith here. <laughs> we're going to go around the room, and, uh, and we're going to just say, in Jesus' name, lights come on. And she said, whoever's got the most faith, God's going to do a miracle. And we thought, well, I mean, we don't have any electricity. It's worth a try. She wasn't being irreverent. She was just uh, being lighthearted, but certainly not irreverent. And, and so we said, all right, start. And uh, so Madonna said, in Jesus' name, come on. Lights? What stayed dark? We said, ah, you don't have no faith. So went to her boyfriend, and we said, uh, in Jesus' name, lights, come on. Didn't work for Cam. I knew it wasn't going to work for him anyhow. That's just a dad in me, you know. And, uh, and, and so, um, so it came to chapel. That's my daughter, chapel. Now, Chapel is one of those people in life who takes all things seriously. She likes to laugh. I tell her sometimes, Chapel, you got to lighten up a little bit. But oh, her world is serious. Now, when it comes to God, she's deathly serious. I mean, all things God are, are a big deal to Chapel. I mean, she's a word reader and a word studier. And she prays passionately. And when it came time to her, she kind of sat up straight in her seat like she was getting ready, fixed her clothes. <laughs> I mean, she, she wasn't playing. It was game on. And I thought, well, look at here. 
I said, okay, chap, are you ready? She said, I am. <laughs> chap, don't play. And she said, in the name of Jesus Christ, lights. And before she could get the word lights out, boom, the power came on in the house. I don't know who it was. Somebody said, oh, my God. <laughs> hey. Hey, and I know what some naysayers are saying. Oh, no, somebody fixed a fuse down the road or, or somebody repaired a power line about the same time she spoke the word. You can think what you want to, but I live in the faith world, and I believe where God is, is exalted and words of faith are spoken with expectancy, God do, does exceptional things. All I'm telling you is there's somebody in this building, if you get your faith a little raised up a little bit and a little praise going on and a little exaltation, going on and start expecting something extraordinary, it is entirely possible that before we leave this building, you could take your worst circumstance and right where you are, in the middle of your seat, you could say, in Jesus' name, this, this, and this be done. And when you walk out of here, you get a text or a phone call and say, hey, everything's changed. It's not even the same way it was in this house. I'm here to tell you there is power when the word of God is spoken in faith. The beauty of not knowing when you started is you don't know how long you've been preaching, but let me hurry. Verse 14 says this. He saw them. It's entirely possible that Jesus would have walked on by and never paid attention to the needs of this sick band of leopards. But the decision to unify and open their mouth of faith became a divine attractant. Open your mouth and believing what you say when you say it is a divine attractant. It brings you into God's view. Have you ever, have you ever seen when they pan the crowd in a large sporting event? And they're panning the crowd and you think what they're doing is just giving you a crowd shot, but that's never the case. When they're panning the crowd, they're looking for somebody who's expressive. They're looking for somebody who's just a little bit out of the box. And they got somebody with a microphone in their ear that says, row one, seat 11, aisle six. Zoom in. And they zoom in. And what do you have? Somebody going crazy. Somebody going crazy. What gets you in that tight camera shot? Expression. And in God's world, it's much the same, except God has only one, two conditions, faith and your mouth, faith and what you say. You can expect extraordinary things in your faith, and then you can say it. And that gets you into God's close-up shot. And when you come into God's view, he never leaves anything alone. It's better after he touches it. In this moment, God unlocked his divine influence, but he chose to work through a process. Here's the key. Sometimes God speaks to the blind eyes and they immediately open. Sometimes, as in the Old Testament with the children of Israel, he says to them, you'll march for a while. You'll shout at the right time. And when all that works together, the walls will fall down for you. Don't get frustrated by the path are overwhelmed by the process because sometimes the process doesn't just produce the miracle. It builds your faith to a fresh level. 
Jesus isn't afraid for his miraculous things to be verified. In fact, he said, go show yourself to the priest. That's the equivalent of saying, hey, you were healed today in the service. Go get some tests run, and let's prove the work of my hands. Oh, there's a financial miracle for you? Okay, go call the bank and check out the balance. God's always able to do extraordinary things for you over and over again. It may seem way too practical, but it's just one supernatural stop on your journey to bigger miracles. And so it was, the Bible says, as they went. Obedient action will always unlock divine intervention. Action, that's praise. You know, that's why we clap our hands. We don't clap our hands in church because we're bored. We clap our hands in church as an expression of applause. Like, I'm here, and you're here. You're bigger than me, God, and you're way important than me here. Let me give you a little applause. Like, you know, when it, if the president would walk in here today, what would we do? We'd stand, we'd acknowledge, and we'd clap our hands, right? Because, hey, a dignitary's walked in the building. That's just what you do when you express. And so clapping hands is something. When you say, praise the name of the Lord, I love you, Lord, you're wonderful, Lord, that's expression. And when you do that in God's arena, it always brings action from him on your part. So you know what I try to do? I try to look for some excuse to clap my hands. My dad would go in our home. He would have this thing, and uh, my friends would come over. You never knew when my dad's praise was going to break out. Like he'd be in a recliner, and he'd be like, he had a real deep voice, and he'd say, holy God. My friends would look around like, what is this crazy man doing? I mean, just strange things. He's walking down the hall of that little old trailer. He'd say, oh, bless the name of the Lord. It was just coming out of him. Why? Because he had understood that praise attracts the presence of the Lord. And any time you can find an excuse to praise him, he comes a little closer. That's why I clap my hands at random times during church. I'm not looking for somebody to tell me. I'm just looking for Jesus. That's why I say amen at weird times in service. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that I know exactly what's going on, but amen is an act of unity that I know, hey, I acknowledge you're here, God. The word's going forth, and I agree with the word of God. Amen. Every time you do that kind of thing, every now and then when nobody else is standing up in church, I just like to stand up. People say, Glenn, are you nuts? They're going to think you're crazy. Oh, no, no. No, I'm just being expressive toward God. Because I've understood a long time ago, if I get expressive with clear intention, God always makes my world better. So, as they went, they were cleansed. Now, when you have leprosy, the cleansing is the miracle. It's the one thing that makes you legitimately miraculous in the eyes of the onlookers. It's obvious what God's done. Nobody expected more. When they got cleansed, everybody said, Whoa, that's a miracle. Like when you have leprosy, there's like white spots on your skin. Your limbs are falling off. When you get cleansed, that means, wham, that goes away. So when they were cleansed, people were like, amazing. Whoa, that's a big deal. But, but there was one guy, and this is the person who always gets the second dimension of the miracle. There was one guy who said, wow, this is wonderful. I see it. It's unique. 
and I'm thankful. He liked the cleansing like everybody else, but he couldn't make himself be quiet and forget the source. There was something in this guy that simply had to go back and give grateful praise for a divine outpouring. And the Bible says when he got back, he left everybody else who were celebrating the obvious miracle, and he said, I need to go back and find Jesus. And when he did, the Bible says with a loud voice, he glorified God. There's something about it. There it is again. Do you notice a pattern? Every single time a voice was raised in this story, God refused to ignore it. He fell on his face and he gave thanks. Posture matters. Posture in your spirit, man, matters when you come into this house. Gratitude moves the hand of God. And then Jesus asked a rhetorical question. Were there not nine cleansed? Were there nine? He knew the answer. Were there not any found? It appears that Jesus sent people out to look for praisers. God will give you a space to exalt his name if you want to. And here's what, here's what God said. I'm going to close in just a minute. Here's what God said. Your faith has made you well. Now, everybody else got cleansed. Like all the, all the leprosy was gone. It was obvious and apparent. But God said to this guy, your faith has made you well. That's the release of the second dimension of the miracle. For the grateful worshiper, God handed out additional intervention. That's what worship does for an individual. That's what worship does for a church, is that it unlocks the additional favor of God. You're well. See, see, leprosy is a costly disease. It isolated them from their family. They had to live in villages where there are only lepers. They didn't get to see people they loved. Their limbs fell off. Their sickness increased. Their finances was in shambles. Their emotions were in a wreck. Their worlds were turned upside down, isolated, abandoned, and alone. There's no way they could be the same person they were when they got the disease. But Jesus said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not just going to heal you. I'm going to fix everything that it costs you. Here's, here's the word I, that I have for this house. Every great life event that's negative will have cost. It's inevitable. But there's a dimension of God where the miraculous moves from cleansed to well where wayward families are welded together, where broken finances are repaired, where emotional scars are healed, where futures that became dim are now bright. Whatever your season of lack has cost you, I've come to declare that God is going to make it well. Better than before. Exponentially greater. Brighter then the beginning, God does not touch a life unless he radically shifts it toward the greater. I feel the spirit of the Lord here. I feel the, uh, the next dimension of the miracle for somebody who decides to believe, who decides to Respond to God's world. I um, had a gentleman I 
pastored once. His name was Ronnie. Ronnie showed up at our church on a Sunday morning. I'd never seen him before. And uh, so I made my way to him, waded through the crowd, and found him. And I said, I'm Glenn. He said, I'm Ronnie. I said, good to have you today. Um, How'd you get here? He said, well, I was driving down the road and saw the church. Thought I'd just come in. I said, cool. I said, you know anybody here? He said, no. He said, well, you want to know the truth? I said, well, it's better than a lie. He said, well, I just, I just got out of prison. And I said, oh, okay, cool. That's fine with me. I'm so glad you came to church. This is right where you need to be. So he came, and uh, he responded to the altar call, and he repented. We baptized him in Jesus' name in water. And he received the Spirit of the, God, the, Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. And it was amazing. Ronnie came to me one day, and he said, I was preaching about baptism. And I said, what happens on baptism is when, when you're baptized in water, God takes a great big blotter in the Spirit, and he blots out everything that you had done before so that when you come out of the waters of baptism, you're not the same person. You have a free, clean slate. I said, that's what wa- baptism does. Ronnie heard me preach that, and he came to me, and he said, did you say God could blot out your past? I said, yeah, he sure can. He said, I'll tell you what. Because of my, my prison past, he said, there's some jobs that I'd like to work in this oil refinery, but I can't get the security clearance. And he said, uh, I need you to pray that God would expunge my record. I said, you know what? I'll pray it, and God will do it. So we linked hands together, and we prayed, God, I want you to expunge his record. A few months passed. He came back to service. He was ecstatic. I saw it on him when he came in the door. He was glowing, but he got there a little bit late. We were already going. And somewhere during the middle of service, he walked up to me. He said, Pastor, you got a second? I said, Ronnie, we got service going on, man. He said, no, you got a second? I said, I guess. What? He said, hey, man, I talked to my parole officer today. He said, you wouldn't believe it. He said, he got a letter from the state of Texas. And my record has been completely expunged. You know what happened? Yeah, you can clap about that. That's a big deal if you got something in your past. That's a big deal. You, you don't know how big of a deal that is. Ronnie, Ronnie went, went on. He, he, he fresh from prison. It wasn't long. A few years passed. Ronnie became the vice president of a large steel company in our region. They don't know his past, but they do know that he serves a God that will do extraordinary things. Because if you're right around Ronnie on any level, he's going to tell you his story as often as you'll stop and hear it. You know why God works for him? Because God knew if I do something great for Ronnie, he's not going to keep his mouth shut. He's going to open his mouth and tell everybody he knows about what God is going to do. I'll tell you what I want to know. I want to know if God does some great things for you. You walk out of this building extraordinarily blessed or or you walk out and your future has shifted exactly like I told you it was going to shift. What are you going to do about that? I'll tell you what. If you tell everybody you know, 
if you witness to everybody you know, hey, I'm going to tell you about God. He'll change things for you. God will take you into that second dimension of the miracle where he repairs the things that your past has been broken so badly. I want you to stand with me today. Hallelujah. I feel so good about what's going on in the spirit right now. I just, I just feel so strongly about what God is wanting to do. I feel the anointing of the Lord here. Now, there are people, we've already prayed for people that their future needs to shift. But, but, but if you need an extraordinary miracle, um, I know for, for some folks that, that uh, this era this pandemic, you, you don't necessarily want somebody to lay hands on you. So here's here's how we're going to do it. And if you want me to pray for you personally, you just come walk up here. I'll lay my hands on you. But if you're not comfortable, here's how we're going to do this. I want everybody to take their right hand. You see this, right? Take your right hand. Just hold it like this. Just take your right hand right here. This is your right hand. All right. Say, I'm anointed. Just say it out loud. I'm anointed. All that means is God through faith takes your hand and recognizes that when you lay your hand on your head just as an act of faith or point of contact and you pray that God's got his hand at work in your life. Now if, if you're fine with me praying for you just come out of your seat like this lady has and, and I'll lay hands on you and pray for you but here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together first and then if you'd like me to lay hands on you um, as the Bible talks about the laying on of hands. If you want me to do that, I'd be glad to pray for you and God will work a miracle. But here's how we're going to do it. Take your right hand and just put it on your forehead. And you begin to pray over whatever need you have in your life. That's right. Keep coming forward. If you, if you uh, want me to lay hands on you, just come on forward. But let's pray together right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for the needs that are in this house. That by the power of the Holy Ghost... You begin to shift futures and change lives. I pray the anointing of the Lord begins to alter environments. I pray the Spirit of God begins to heal, to repair, and to restore. That by the anointing of the Lord, things are broken forth and broken out in the Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name that you begin to work. Why don't you just kind of lift your hands toward God right now. I'm going to be and continue to pray. and Just talk to God. Tell him you love him. Tell him you thank him for your presence. I'm going to lay my hands on these people and pray while you're worshiping the Lord. Let's all do this in unity together, all right?